Your parents were there for you. Now you want to be there for them as they age. Welcome to There for Them, a podcast designed to help you find the information and resources you need to support your aging parents. Hi, this is Tara Fleming Caruso, Collaborative Care Advisor at Hebrew Senior Life. Welcome to There for Them, our podcast designed for the adult child on the go. In today's episode, we're talking about family dynamics. Family dynamics refers to the patterns of interactions among relatives, influenced by existing and previous roles and relationships. And we'll talk about how, for better or for worse, family dynamics come to bear for many adult children as they help their parents make decisions about their care needs. Today, we welcome Lori Feldman a colleague I work very closely with here at Hebrew Senior Life. While she's currently the resident support advisor here at Newbridge on the Charles, Lori has also worked in a number of roles throughout Hebrew Senior Life, including serving as a counselor at the Deanna and Sydney Wolk Center for Memory Health at Hebrew Senior Life in Boston, and as a care manager focusing on emotional health at several sites. In our communities of Brookline, the Simon C. Fireman community in Randolph, and the Jack Satter House in Revere. She received a Bachelor in Psychology from Clark University and an MSW from Salem State University with a concentration in older adult end-of-life care. So the conversation that we'll have today about family dynamics was informed by the wonderful contributions that were made by the adult children of a support group that Lori and I co-lead right here at Newbridge on the Charles. We had the opportunity to ask group members about their firsthand experiences with family dynamics as they navigated care for an older adult in their own family systems. And while we may say we're experts in the field of aging, Truly, these clients that we serve are the true experts because they're walking the walk. There's not one group that goes by without us saying after the fact, wow, these people are amazing. We truly learn so much from what they have to say. So, Lori, thank you. Thanks so much for sharing this time with me and for walking us through this topic. It's always a pleasure to collaborate with you. I feel so lucky. And since our offices are directly across the hall from each other, it's something that we do a lot. Um, So I'm wondering if you can start by sharing some of the family dynamic themes that have come up in our group. Thank you, Tara. Wow. Um, It's such a pleasure to be here. And of course, there are so many family dynamic themes, and we will be going over how to address these family dynamics a little later in the discussion. But first, I imagine that our listeners will really be able to relate to some or all of what I have to share. Let's start with geography, the MIA family member. Often, the responsibility of caregiving falls on the family member who lives the closest to their parent. This is just a logistical reality. 
But because of this default arrangement, the local child may feel resentment towards their siblings who live farther away, especially if they may not be in touch very often or they don't offer support no matter what that might look like from a distance. Mm, Yes, this is real. Yeah, I see it in my own family, Lori. So my brother-in-law lives five minutes away from my mother-in-law, and just by virtue of his close physical proximity, the day-to-day, the responsibility by default falls to him and my sister-in-law. And I have to admit, I feel really badly about this. Um, so it, it truly is a reality. But we can deal with that in another podcast conversation, okay? Um, what other themes can you share in this topic? Okay. Unequal balance of responsibility or contributions. So even if more than one adult child lives close to their parents, there is usually one child who just does more. And because of social and cultural norms in many families, the son is spared the responsibility of caregiving and the daughter often takes on more. And of course, this is not always the case, but there's often an expectation of females to be the caregivers, reinforcing historical stereotypes around gender roles. But regardless of the gender role breakdown or the reason for the imbalance of responsibility, the child who's doing more may feel frustrated and resentful. And the child who isn't as involved may feel uninformed and left out. Mm. Let's move on to the next Mm -hmm. (laughs) dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, Unsolicited Mm -hmm. advice. Mm -hmm. Great. (laughs) (laughs) The family member who's taking on the bulk of the caregiving responsibilities sometimes receives advice from other family members whether they want it or not. These other family members may have different reasons for offering this advice, but more often than not, the main caregiver doesn't appreciate hearing ideas from someone who isn't there for them in more helpful ways, and it may be heard as criticism instead. I've heard of family situations where the sibling who lives out of state comes in once a year to swoop in and take over for two weeks, wanting to make changes in how the local sibling has been doing things. Mm, Yeah, and I can imagine there's so many reasons behind that swooping in and and I'm I'm sure the the feelings and and the desire are are they're pure but it must be really frustrating. So yeah, I'm humbled listening to you because I'm guilty of everything so far, so much for my own expert status. Uh, but truly it's different, isn't it, when it's your own family. There's just a, a a sense of separation and being a little separate from the situation when you're coming at it from an expert professional point of view. Okay, mm-hmm. so give us another theme. Okay, disagreements. Caregiving for a parent or parents is automatically an emotional and stressful experience. It's painful to see your aging loved one needing help, and there are almost always differences of opinion among children on what a parent needs and how to meet those needs. Whether the opinions are coming from a place of fear, denial, or just lack of knowledge in this area, 
a difference of opinion can cause increased stress that can affect how families work and communicate with each other. Mm. So the next one is complicated emotions that can be triggered by past family dynamics and roles within the family. So as we've said, watching your parents age can be stressful and it can bring up a lot of emotions along the way. Old patterns and unresolved tensions rise to the surface and it can be hard to break out of them, which of course adds to the strain of the situation. These dynamics can be with our parents as well as with our siblings. And as an adult child, you may want to break out of these old images associated with you. You know, you've moved on, you've matured, you've, you've grown, but your parents or your siblings won't let you because it's mm-hmm. familiar and it's the only way they know how to be with you. Mm-hmm. So just because it's something we're used to doesn't mean it's healthy and that we should continue doing it changing the ways you relate to family or how they relate to you while you're navigating the stress of caregiving for a parent is a challenging task to take on. Right. It's really hard, but yeah, this all makes sense. I get a free pass on this one because I'm an only child. (laughs) So (laughs) So I don't experience those sibling dynamics However, you know, we we actually do have some only children in our support group, and in some ways, Mm -hmm. when the family system is smaller, there's an intensity in the pattern and dynamics that exists. So even a small shift can create these really intense reverberations. So I make it a free pass on the not having siblings, but I'm not immune to that, uh, what you just described, and I'm sure others can relate as well. So you've given us so many, I'm afraid to ask, are there any more? Are there any more family <laughs> dynamic themes that are challenging? I'm afraid there might be. We have a couple more that I want to okay. go over that I think our listeners could also relate to. Um, let's talk about role reversal. Just like the adult child has feelings about needing to care for their aging parent. Imagine how their parent feels needing to rely on their child for things that they used to do for themselves in their daily lives and they didn't need any help with. And not only that, their children may now be caring for them in the same way that they cared for their children when their children were little. It can feel like a big blow to a person's pride and their sense of independence when they're now needing to accept help from their children in ways that they never did before. And also what can complicate this situation even further is if the parent and the adult child have a strained relationship to begin with, or if the parent doesn't see the need for assistance even though they're starting to be unsafe without the help. And last but not least, (laughs) the sandwich generation. So managing older adults while caring for your own children. Caregivers don't live in a bubble. Uh, In addition to caring for a parent, they may also feel stress from other areas of their lives, such as work, finances, marriage, and their own children. Being in the sandwich generation means that finding balance in their lives is even more difficult, yet so crucial to being able to fulfill the responsibilities in the ways that they would like. 
how one finds that balance is up to each individual, and there's no one way to do it, but the one person that's the most important factor in this equation is the caregiver themselves. So you can't forget to care for yourself when you're caring for others. And I'm the first one to say, easier said than done. <laughs> it's a it's yep. a practice. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'll agree with you on that one. Okay, so you're naming all of these common yet really challenging dynamics that come up for families. And I'm hearing and appreciating as you're speaking that communication Communication plays a huge role in helping to navigate the dynamics that come up for people in the caregiving process. And I think it's really key that families find a way, some way, to talk through these issues that come up. And, and yet, I imagine there are many factors that contribute to communication being challenging. So I'm curious, do you agree with my hypothesis? And if you do, why do you think this is the case? Yes, absolutely. I agree. Communication is key in navigating family dynamics. And one reason why it can be so challenging is that the family may not be in the habit of expressing themselves to each other, or there may be longstanding conflict that was never resolved. They may not have been very close or just not encouraged to say what they feel historically, or they didn't have a role model to show them how to work through problems as they come up. I know many families don't know where to begin to fix some of the problems they have because they weren't taught healthy ways of processing their feelings and listening to each other respectfully. It just wasn't how it was done in their family, and that's very common. And of course, the stress of caregiving on top of these other factors makes it even more difficult to address issues as they come up. But all is not lost. (laughs) It is worth it to try to set the tone for a conversation with your family member in order to move from disagreement toward agreement. You can start by simply stating the truth to create some common ground. So, for instance, you can say, I know we disagree about what dad needs right now, and I'd really like us to agree somehow. This is hard for me to say because we're not used to talking this way, and I think talking it through might help. Is this hard for you, too? So now you've each had a chance to perhaps agree that it's hard to talk to each other just in general because it's not what you're used to doing when you talk about hard stuff, but it's also hard to talk to each other about what dad needs. And maybe you open up a little bit more after that and you say that it's scary and even sad to have to have this conversation because it makes it real that dad is getting older and He will be gone someday, and maybe your sibling agrees that it's also sad and scary for them as well. And if you and your sibling can agree on some shared feelings to begin with, you may be more open to hearing from each other about the decisions that need to be made and even compromising where it's needed. I really like what you said there, especially the idea we want to move from disagreement toward agreement. That's awesome. It it seems so obvious, but it really isn't. 
And I love also how you said you really can start by simply stating the truth. I mean, what what is there besides the truth? And yet it, it really is hard to be that transparent sometimes. But, mm-hmm. you know, with your coaching here, I really can see how it's a helpful beginning to set this tone of acceptance and collaboration and equality. So we as a family, we are all starting from the same place and we all agree on the same main goal. This is really important. And I also mm-hmm. love how you've, you've helped us learn the value of just naming what is. So when you say out loud that you're scared or you're frightened or you're anxious, whatever the emotion is, the intensity of it just dissipates. It's amazing mm-hmm. how that is. I see that in my work. It's simple, but mm-hmm. it's really, really powerful. And it's honest. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's the truth. Like you said, the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so thank you. What are some of the other techniques that the families that you know have found helpful? Okay. So when you're thinking about communication, I would always start with thinking about timing. So whenever you plan to talk to someone, and this can actually apply to any situation, whether it's a difficult family dynamic or talking to your boss or anyone else, try to make sure you're in a good headspace and also make sure that the person you're talking to is as well um, to the best that you can. In other words, Avoid bringing up difficult topics when your sibling has their grandkids crawling all over them um, and they can't really give it their full attention. Or your parent didn't sleep well the night before and they can't keep their eyes open. It's probably not the best time to talk to them about something serious or, or important. Yeah, good point. And we do it all the time, though, don't we? We we really pick oh, yeah. sometimes the worst times. Um, and you're not saying here to avoid the conversation. You're just saying make sure you pick the right time for the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right. This is not just these conversations about older adults and care. I know that with my own teenager, there's really mm-hmm. good times to talk and there's really bad times to talk. And so I've learned that mm-hmm. for sure. Um, good. Okay. What else is in your bag of tricks? Okay. So... Don't assume that your sibling knows what you need and they're just not doing it. We can't make that assumption unless, of course, it's been stated outright. Um, So take the example of that sibling who is swooping into town and being the star as well as changing all the systems, you know, that you've set up Mm -hmm. for the time that they're here. It might make things easier if you make more specific requests before they visit to create some clarity around the expectations and the opportunity for negotiation. So conversely, you may have a sibling who doesn't know what to do to help you and therefore they do nothing. Again, be specific about what's needed. They may be waiting for you to approach them with a task, um, but they just don't know how to ask. So when you're specific about what's needed, it creates an opportunity for them to say, yes, I can do that, or no, I can't do that, but I can do this. So there's the negotiation part. And if you're that out-of-state sibling that's coming into town, I know I'm the one who lives across the country from my family, um, so I can relate to this, but be aware of the differences in your perspectives and 
how your ideas might come across to your sibling who has been there for the day-to-day care. So just try to be aware of that. And likewise, if you're the local caregiver for a parent, perhaps another set of eyes on the situation could be helpful in streamlining some systems. But keep in mind that communication around expectations for the visit beforehand might avoid surprises for both of you during the visit and help make it go more smoothly. Mm-hmm, for sure. So I'm boiling that down in my mind here, and what I'm hearing, the essence is a clear request, the importance of mm-hmm. a clear request. And it sounds simple, but it's not, and it's not always no. done. And, I mean, you know, right, we practice this all the time within our team here at Newbridge. And I would Mm -hmm. say for the majority of us, even though we've been doing this work and together for a really long time, we probably would all consider ourselves beginners. But that's okay. Mm -hmm. We're we're learning as we move forward. Any Mm -hmm. other suggestions, Lori? Yes. Agreeing on a common goal based on what matters most to your parent. If there's a disagreement on what to do to care for your aging parent, perhaps you can start by agreeing on a common goal. For instance, you might say to your sibling, mom says she doesn't want to be isolated at home anymore and you'd like to hire caregivers to stay with her. Can we agree that Being around other people is something that mom wants and is also good for her. And so if there's agreement there, then you can say it sounds like we're on the same page about us wanting to support mom in what matters most to her. I'd like to explore other living options where she has more opportunities to be around others, even if it means she moves out of her home. We would still be supporting mom in her goals of socializing more, but we're including ideas we haven't explored before. So that's an example of recognizing that everyone brings different ideas to the table, and there's no one way to reach a goal usually. And so if you explore different options of how to get to that goal, um, you might be more successful in coming to some agreement. So it's important to recognize that everyone brings something different to the table, and in order to move forward, try to start from a common place like having that shared goal for your parent that also honors your parent's goal as well. And to that end, when it comes to the division of labor and who does what, keep in mind that each sibling brings different situations and different strengths to the table, and that Dividing tasks based on those differences will lead to the most practical solutions. It's really rare to be able to share the responsibilities equally, so trying to be practical about it is a good way to go. And One sibling may be able to help more with financial needs or help manage finances from a distance, while another may have more time and can help with daytime appointments. Hmm. Yeah. So you're right. There's a practicality about this. And at the same time, I imagine that this really helps each person feel that they're making a valuable and needed contribution. So it's practical, but it's also a sort of a beautiful win-win. The family benefits mm-hmm. from the unique skills that each person brings mm-hmm. to the system. This is a gift. 
And in turn, each family member can feel good about the contributions they're making to the well-being of both the parent and the family system. All right, so we're in agreement. (laughs) We are. (laughs) So when it comes to all of these suggestions, the great suggestions for communication, I'm curious now to know, what is your suggestion in terms of frequency or timing for these family check-ins? Right. Okay. So we're talking about communication and there has to be some timing involved. I might recommend setting agreed upon times to check in. Some families reduce the risk of misunderstandings and rifts by setting up times to check in with each other. And this is a really good way to stay in touch and keep up to date. You can ask for ideas, provide support for each other, It's also a great way to recognize the contributions that each sibling is making, as you said, and considering that responsibilities can't always be divided equally, right? So Mm -hmm. during these check-ins, yeah, you can also adjust the caregiving plan as needed. Maybe someone's time has freed up. Maybe someone else becomes um, busier. And so it's a time to kind of renegotiate and rethink the caregiving plan. And then also set up a time for the next check-in if it's not already scheduled. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share a, um, a story about a family I know who already had some pretty good communication among the siblings and the parents, but there was sort of a health crisis with one of the parents, and the siblings wanted some support as well as the other well parent. And they had the help of a social worker who was able to have some family meetings with them, and they had to zoom in because everyone was spread out. But these family meetings, even though the communication was good to begin with, they found that after the meetings, they felt a bit closer because they were able to have some kind of um, facilitated, sort of structured communication specifically around this difficult situation with their parent. And after these sessions ended, um, they continued, you know, the formal sessions with the social worker, they continued to meet um, over Zoom and to talk pretty regularly, and they found that their relationships got even stronger and the communication got better. They felt more supported, and they felt better able to kind of face the, the difficult family situation that was happening. Wow. I'm just curious, do you think that they expected that to be an outcome? I mean, their idea was we want to help mom and dad, but this amazing benefit happened. Do you think that was a surprise to them? I think it was a surprise to them. Um, You know, it's always a hope that this could happen, but you just really don't know what's going to happen when you enter into, you know, this sort of new territory where um, you're trying something new and it's a risk and you're vulnerable, um, but it actually had a really positive outcome that I don't think they expected, but they're surely glad happened. And they put, you know, they put the effort in and it really worked out for them and they continue to do so. Mm, Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. So finally, when it does come to timing, I recommend having conversations proactively to avoid crisis. You know, everything is harder when families are in crisis mode. Um, So having these conversations ahead of time when things are relatively calm, if you can, 
can be done by these scheduled check-in times I just talked about. You know, when you're in better communication, it may be a bit easier to navigate times of crisis as you've already been on the same page by keeping in regular contact. And if it's not easy to be in touch or relations are such that being in regular contact is just not an option, see if you can come to agreement on the most important matters pertaining to your parent, like healthcare decisions or other legal matters. You know, the day-to-day may still be up to you if your sibling is not as much a part of the picture, but maybe you've got some of the bigger discussion points already settled. Mm-hmm. That makes good sense. The most important things. Okay, great suggestions. And I'm guessing, <laughs> da 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 da, it's not always going to work like you plan, right? So I really <laughs> right. want our listeners to know that this is okay. It doesn't mean that your family has failed. All of this can be so hard, especially with these long-standing family dynamics and roles, really hard to navigate the issues that arise when you're caring for an older adult. So I really hope that those who are listening and those who are walking this really hard walk, so to speak, can give themselves some grace in this situation. I just feel like it's really important to say that. Absolutely, Tara. Well said. (laughs) Not everything one suggests or tries is going to work, and that's okay. No one can expect of themselves or others to be experts in navigating this journey, as this is the first time you're living it. So even if you work in a field where you may have experience in elder care, when it comes to your own family, the emotions and the family dynamics involved can complicate your approach and your reactions. You know, you may know your family very well, but the situations you're faced with may be new, and that's where allowing yourselves some grace comes in. And Whenever you're in doubt or if you feel guilt about not doing enough, (laughs) it's important to remind yourself that you are doing the best that you can, and that is all anyone can ask. Mm, Nice. And in true Lori form, you're caregiving to me as we're having this conversation. (laughs) That's why you're, you're such a gem. I'm so lucky to work with you. So, okay, so we, we've we seen all of this, and we know that it's not always going to have the exact outcome that people are hoping for. So, so if this plan A doesn't work, then how does the family move forward? Um, are there resources that are available to support both the family and the older adults? Okay, so first of all, good for you for trying plan A. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm, right. Even though it didn't work, you tried something, and that is a way of moving forward. Sometimes your family members don't move at the speed you would like things to happen, so remember to try to be patient. That's not an easy ask, but it's worth a try. It may be a matter of having several conversations about the same thing in order for forward movement to happen uh, because your family member may just work at a different pace than you do and come to decisions at a different speed. 
but it's important that you've at least planted the seeds and now you need to wait for something to grow. <laughs> right. um, but if the plan fell through completely, here mm-hmm. are some other ideas for support. So there are geriatric care managers or life care advocates out there, and these are professionals. They're usually social workers or nurses who specialize in elder care management. A geriatric care manager offers personalized services. They try to maximize independence for an older adult, which also provides some respite and support for other family members. They can keep track of medical appointments. They can take your loved one to and from appointments. They can even sit in on the discussion with the provider and relay that information to the family members afterwards. They can help you access resources such as home health aids. Uh, They can even help with difficult family dynamics. So keep in mind, however, that they don't take insurance, so know that beforehand it is an out-of-pocket expense. Uh, There are some agencies who do offer a reduced fee based on income, so be sure to ask about that if that's something that you need. Another support could be a professional mediator. You may get to a point where you can't move forward with your family without the help of a professional who can help facilitate conversations and mediate them to find some common ground. Mediators are often associated with law offices, but there are some professionals who specialize in family mediation, and I did an internet search, and I found a few in my area. I have a feeling others would as well. Mm-hmm. And, and this uh, is a private pay resource as well? Yes, yes. I, I can't imagine that insurance would cover that. So this would also be okay. an out-of-pocket okay. expense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another possible support, if this applies to your situation, uh, is a professional organizer. So sometimes hiring a professional organizer can alleviate some stress among family members because they can help with things like setting up systems to organize monthly bill paying, you know, especially if there isn't a family member who's available to do that. Um, they can clean out an office or, or a storage space. They can declutter. They can help you downsize if needed. And they can even help prepare for a move on both ends, you know, packing and unpacking. Um, and again, this is an out-of-pocket expense. They usually, some of them charge by the hour, some of them charge by the project. It depends on what you're looking for and who you're working with. But again, there are, you do an internet search and there are many all around. <laughs> Yeah, good. And another support that might help families is uh, financial experts. You know, when it comes to money and finances, that can be a great source of stress um, and strain in relationships. So it might benefit your family if you hire an outside financial advisor or manager to handle your parents' finances, and that would take some of the strain out of the relationship with your siblings. Mm, there's nothing like m- yeah. money to create conflict in a family. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. Mm-hmm. One of the most common mm-hmm. sources. So finally, um, if your parents are living in a continuing care retirement community like Newbridge on the Charles or Orchard Cove at Hebrew Senior Life, they would have access to a professional support system like you and me. 
being a collaborative care advisor, you, Tara, have the privilege of sharing your knowledge of the supports available in our continuum system with residents and their family members so that our residents can make informed decisions for themselves in order to live their best lives. And as a social worker, I can also support our residents and their family members by providing the support needed to help navigate this time in their lives. Now, if a parent does not live in a CCRC, Continuing Care Retirement Community, or in another senior community with supports, they can contact their local senior center or Council on Aging for resources in their area. Those are good, good resources to have. Wonderful. Those are such solid recommendations. Well said. Thank you. Thanks for sharing those insights and and for all the time you set aside to be part of the podcast today. You've given us a lot to learn, learn from and relate to, and it was so helpful. Thank you. I'm definitely going to call on you before my next family meeting for advice and counsel. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> Thank you, Tara. This was a great conversation. Thanks for having me. To our listeners, for more resources for adult children of aging parents and to explore our blog, please visit www.hebrewseniorlife.org. And of course, it goes without saying, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast. And on that note, we want to know what you'd like to hear next. Are there topics that you think would be helpful? Let us know by sending an email to editor at hebrewseniorlife.org with the word podcast in the subject line. We look forward to continuing the conversation. Take good care and be well. Thanks for listening to There for Them, brought to you by Hebrew Senior Life a leading senior care nonprofit organization that's an affiliate of Harvard Medical School and is uniquely dedicated to rethinking, researching, and redefining the possibilities of aging. Learn more at HebrewSeniorLife.org.